Hey everyone, welcome to the EcoBite podcast, where we will be diving into topics around the environmental industry. Join me, Cameron Davis, and EcoBot's product manager and seasoned environmental scientist, Liv Haney, in a deeper conversation with our guest. If you'd like more context to our conversation and or a crash course on the topic at hand, please view the EcoBite video recording before getting started. Either way, enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to the EcoBite podcast. Uh, we are speaking with Mike Rollband of the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality. I am Cameron Davis and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Liv Haney. And if you haven't already, go ahead and listen to Mike's uh, presentation on what he's up to in Virginia, uh, especially with the PEEP program. But we're going to dig a little bit deeper based on that discussion. So, uh, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Liv, you have any questions? Go ahead. Yeah, that was a great talk that you gave discussing permitting reform and, and the future of electronic permitting submittals and, and tracking and just the general um, breadth of information that can be shared with the public and, and just making everything more transparent um, from application to submittal to approval and denial and all of that in between. My first question, a, a little bit of a fun question, is you mentioned an, a history of uh, wetland delineations. Uh, when you first went out and started doing delineations, what tools did you take with you? What did you have at your disposal? <laughs> well, the very first time I got involved with wetland delineation, um, I met the Army Corps of Engineers on the site, and he was a geotechnical engineer, a civil engineer that specialized in geotech, and so was I. And so we used blow counts uh, for bearing capacity. So basically, a wetland was an area down in Florida, and it was an area that had high water table and low, low bearing capacity. Um, same thing back in 85 when I moved to Virginia. Um, it was the same issue. We had to get an individual permit and what was defined as a wetland back in 85 was based on pure engineering principles. And it made a lot of sense to me because when I was in grad school, um, our one of our professors in particular felt we were going to help save the world by focusing development in these wastelands called wetlands that were close to urban areas and had low bearing capacity and high groundwater tables. <laughs> it was fascinating to watch, you know, to, to live through the evolution of all of a sudden we had a manual 87 and we're looking at plants as well as just soils and groundwater. And, and what became a wetland then was a much drier environment than what we, we were talking about true swamps. You know, so it was a totally different way of going. And, and then as mitigation started being required, I really enjoyed it because it was just using the same engineering principles that we use to drain and, and, and utilize these, quote, wet areas. Um, we're just trying to restore them back. So it's the same soil permeability issues and, and water elevation issues and growing season. So it was kind of fun to, to, to live through that evolution. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't know if I have uh, met or, or worked with a, a pre-wetland delineation manual wetland delineator. That's awesome. Mike, you have a very unique perspective because you both have 
an engineering background as well as a wetland background. And I think in a lot of organizations, they are like two different steps of the process. You, your wetland, uh, I think Liv said earlier, it's like the bugs and bunny people go out and play in the mud and then they bring it back to the office where the engineers are, you know, doing the real work. Um, which I don't believe <laughs> is actually what's I happening. I did not but, say that. <laughs> but uh, it seems like, okay, so you were, you know, there was an engineering perspective before the manual came out. And now it's it's very, very important to the built environment. Um, can you explain the transition over the years? And if there is anything that you would, you know, want engineering side and the wetland side to like know about each other to work more, uh, you know, synergistically. Well, yeah, I started really more in the construction side, even just wanting to get things built. But I think, I think it's, you know, I, I think I have a good background or I like my background. I mean, the environmental side, I mean, I grew up in Northern Vermont and uh, from fifth grade on and, and loved hiking and mountaineering and, so I, I just mostly spent my time outside, and and so and we had a biology teacher in high school that ran our outing club, and I think, you know, I didn't realize at the time what I what I learned from him and and the appreciation for for the environment. Um, I, it's it's always been a tension between you know protecting the environment and, and regulations and more engineering just trying to get things built, and I think. That tension is good in many ways, um, but I also think you know we need to, you know, some of the large organizations that have people totally stovepiped is a big problem. And so, you know, when I first started, I started my basement all alone, and and obviously my company grew to a lot bigger than that. Um, and and we started having, you know, we definitely had that stovepiping to a degree, and I had to work on that and make engineers, you know, do work with wetland delineators and vice versa. But there are a lot of people who are just there, you know, they went to engineering school or majored in environmental science or wetland ecology for different, they had different strengths and weaknesses. So you got to get everyone to appreciate each other. And that doesn't always happen. And, uh, you know, when I was selling my company, you know, we were at around a hundred people and eventually grew to a couple hundred people under with their capital. You know, I sold to a firm that didn't, we, they didn't have an engineer. I mean, we were the first professional engineers they had. And I'm, you know, I'm a PE and a PWS and a PWD, which is a Virginia certification, by the way, professional wetland delineator. And I was actually one of the few people back in 93, I think it was, when the Army Corps certified us to be delineators when they were going to have that program. You know, there's not that many engineers in that space, but I think you really, to communicate better, you do. And what I found is we were, like, we were having a lot of problems with wetland projects and stream restoration projects due to stormwater discharges. So I had the ability to be able to communicate with the different engineers involved and talk about, well, what you're doing for this discharge, this is what it's doing to the environment. We need to change that. We need the water, but we need the water in a different way and or, you know, modulated you know, from a quantity control standpoint or, or quality or volume, and um, which is also kind of fun. So I, it led to me uh, creating what's called the Energy Balance Method of Stormwater Management, which was adopted statewide, actually in Fairfax County in 2005 and statewide in 2014. But again, it's it's trying to get engineers to work with the scientists 
and the environmentalists to to try to find solutions that that achieve you know a better result. I mean, I'll get on my soapbox. I, I built my office building in 2005, made an example of low impact development, and we with the, one of the master's students that did the monitoring, you know, showed that we replicated the runoff. It's actually below the forest level of runoff from our site after you know building a building and building parking lots. But we had a green roof on part of it, a cistern for the irrigation, a cistern for the toilets, pervious pavers, pervious concrete, pervious asphalt, uh, a bioswale, a rain garden, you know, all sorts of different things that as a treatment train system could replicate that original environment in terms of stormwater discharges to make it a, a you know, as less of a footprint as we could uh, to, to the watershed. So you were like the Steve Jobs of environmental <laughs> science. <laughs> I love it. Like, it's a lot more successful. I'm just in my own little tiny pond, but but it's been real. It's fun. No, you've created all these things that you're now just like chill, dropping in. Like, oh yeah, you created the method that the whole state uses for this. So yeah, casual. Before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely. Um, in my experience with consulting, the I spent a lot of projects um, when I first started being very siloed and just sending off my report and and never really um, seeing it or hearing about it again. And then towards the end, I started working on some projects where they wanted everyone involved throughout the whole process, um, which was really interesting. And I had I liked that because I like to see a project from start to finish. But um, getting to work and hear from the construction people and right of way people and engineers and then the environmental scientists too and we're all talking about how can we mitigate potential permitting issues before we even start designing um and i think that was a really effective way to try and it was a big headache sometimes because there was a lot of unknowns but it was an effective way to to minimize permitting time on the end because these clients had had just such bad experiences with permits lasting taking much too much time or some of the issues that you mentioned and why PEEP has been a good solution to that. It seems like you guys have come up with all of these great solutions in-house. What can developers, what software engineers, um, people from the outside, from the tech world, what can they do to provide some resources to help further uh, the goals of the e-permitting process and the getting everything digitized and, and streamlining in the, the most effective way possible? That's a great question. I mean, the things that we're doing, like, for example, with PEEP, that is just basic project management. You know, there's nothing new. I mean, I I finished business school in 1982. and um, Business school, too? What is yeah. I was, very <laughs> I, I was um I got a, a fellowship that paid for two master's degrees. So I was uh I was very lucky. I mean I I anyway, so it gave me a good background. But my but my point is in you know in, in, in business school, even undergraduate engineering, we learned about project management. And the first step is you know just developing a schedule. At one time I wanted to use more of a critical path management system or even better, a PERT system. But the statistical analysis needed for PERT and, and the complexity of trying to explain to everybody, I kind of went back to just keep it simple, stupid, and just have most basic 
Gantt style bar chart, you know, schedule. And that works, you know, it always has worked well, you know, for especially for relatively simple processes like these are compared to a huge complex, you know, billion dollar construction project or even a hundred million dollar. Um, mm-hmm. So, so what I'm, what I'm, what I think is that anyone could do this. I mean, any, you know, you just have to want to do it, if that makes sense. And we're not, I'm not changing the permit decision process. I'm not changing, you know, what people are doing. We're just simply looking at it and breaking it up in elements and then tracking it. And I will say back in 2000, I will, I'm not bragging, but I co-wrote the wetlands law in 2000 and in Virginia. And what we, you know, we dealt with, you know, isolated wetlands and ephemeral streams and tulloch ditching back then. And when I say we, you know, it was a compromise. I represent the home building community and the commercial builders. And we worked with the environmental groups led by the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. And we came up with a constructive solution to what the state's going to regulate. Okay. And it has not changed. At the same time, we were trying to focus on permanent efficiency by establishing the number one problem is what is required to review a permit. So we established a checklist, a list of what applicants have to submit because most of the delays are that back and forth with the agencies where they, they you send something in, they want more, you send more, they want more, and, and people fight and blame each other. So the first thing is upfront, what do you want? And that's what we're doing right now, DEQ, in every program. So part of part of PEEP is just simply basic to me, basic, I want to call it common sense for project management. What do you need? Okay, on both so that the people that want the permit provide everything they want, and the people that, that have to review the permit get everything they need. And then have, you know, a schedule that everyone can see. It's not secret anymore. We know where you are. And then compare your progress. It doesn't, things happen. It doesn't always work perfect. But one thing we're seeing, for example, like in our stormwater program, that was our worst performing program. It's becoming phenomenally good already. And we're not on, not live on PEEP yet even. But just that process of establishing a checklist and all of a sudden plans are coming in in a, in a better fashion. And you're eliminating somewhat of the problem where if certain companies submit a plan, our reviewers, I found out, don't review the plan. They wait usually 60 days, 45 days, because by then they'll get a new plan that's better. So mm-hmm. what companies are doing is submitting incomplete materials and then saying to, to the owner to meet the owner's schedule. Then they blame the agency for slow review while they're finishing the application or the plan set to then submit again. So the reviewers are getting, we're getting smart, will not work on that company's stuff, wait a while because they'll get something better. Then they get it and then they review it and they find incomplete. And it's just extending the whole process. So already with PEEP going public, it's been awesome because a couple of um, owners have called and complained. And I used to have to, you know, send an email and it could take a lot of staff effort to find out what happened, where's the plan, who's reviewing it, what are the issues, they summarize it. Now you just go online and look at it. And already we've had a couple of great examples where the applicant's agent told the applicant that they it was being held up by DEQ and actually they had met our 15-day criteria. One was 14, one was 11 days. It had gone back and sitting there for months. But they're, And they admitted finally to their client that, well, they don't have the staff to actually finish the complete application. So they were just, normally DEQ doesn't respond and doesn't look at things so fast. Well, now they are. 
because our guys are being, you know, told they have to do it. And, and, mm -hmm. and it, it's really fun because the people that are reviewing the process like it better because they know what's expected of them mm -hmm. and they're getting better quality information. In. So it's, it's really just project management that could be done anywhere at any state. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you know, I just took an existing database system. You know, we didn't have the money or time or people to develop from scratch a whole system. So we just looked at, okay, what do we own? What, what do we use right now? What type of software do we have to, because they're tracking the data, it's just not an accessible manner. So mm -hmm. what software package do we own that we have a license for that we could easily use to visualize that data? And that's all we've done so far. So I think that any agency could do it. And it doesn't take a lot of effort. You know, to have Nirvana, I would love to have a few years and tens of millions of dollars. But since I don't have that, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're doing, we're making do with what we can. And the products, you know, it, it's really fun that it, what's so simple is making such a stir um, because it's it's making things better. Do you think that Virginia is acting as like a proof of concept that PEEP should be implemented in other states? Have other states reached out to you for guidance? And, and how long do you think you need to collect data on how effective PEEP is before people start to acknowledge that it's a useful, simple, you know, way to implement the permitting process? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it'd be really cool if this got implemented in other states. Already in Virginia, there's an effort to start implementing this, implementing this in other agencies. So we, we are now considered to be the pilot project for the Commonwealth for other agencies that need permits. And that's just starting, that's happening now. So I think I think people that have used it already, you know, in terms of the public sector, the public, and, mm -hmm. and even environmental groups that are interested in certain permit processes, they're all, you know, very, they, the transparency and, and the ease of communication is, is, is just winning everybody. So I think it's something that would be fantastic to implement, you know, around the country. I read an article um, from uh, the Environmental Innovation Policy Center that they mentioned that, you know, the Army Corps should start trying to do this and, in fact, may do it in several years. Um, mm -hmm. I think what they're, from what I read in that article, it sounds like they're doing more of a pure e-permitting type process, which would be fantastic. I'd love to do it as well. I'm just taking a baby step right now and doing what we can do now to make a difference versus several years from now. Um, I think, you know, in my history of working for on my own for 30 years or so, but also for big companies before and afterwards, you know, keeping it simple and taking small steps, you can make a big difference between versus the big grandiose plan that never gets implemented. Um, so I think it might be better to just, you know, try to do some simple things like, like PEEP Mm -hmm. and make a difference and then evolve yeah you know, it'd be so cool if on our peep you could not only click on it and, and see where you are in a schedule but click and find the actual application the actual response from the regulator the response back from the applicant i i'd love to have all that connected but that's mm -hmm. just a that's a level of complication that it can be done with today's technology relatively easily you know it's just linking to a database, these, this information, but that's just another level of, of complexity we didn't 
don't have the money and the time right now to do. Is uh, Virginia totally, do you guys just have one regulatory district? It looks like just Norfolk regulatory district. Yeah, except for Baltimore has Fort Belvoir. They okay. used to have Arlington Cemetery, but they don't anymore. But okay. other than that, it's primarily Norfolk district, which makes it easier probably. That's in the in the weather program, but we have all these other programs. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. There's, always forget, like we have sixty something permits mm -hmm. now, all Region Three of EPA. Okay, that's uh, one thing I was thinking about because I've worked in a few different uh, states, and uh, like Texas comes to mind that has different regulatory districts involved, and all of these regulatory districts have their own way of doing things and some different regulations. And so that I was wondering how, like, was the core receptive to being a part of this process? And like, is there, um, they seem like sort of the, the overall cap that can, for lack of a better word, like trickle down to, to um, create a program that all states could find accessible. Um, and, but yeah, I was wondering if you dealt with anything um, yeah. with varying districts. You know, so the core only is involved in two of our 12 major permit classes. Mm -hmm. so wetlands and... Wetlands and mitigation banking. Yep. And, and in mitigation banking, they, they really jumped all in with us and this culminated in, in signing this MOA just recently. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, so they're really working extraordinarily well. I mean, I met... Uh, Colonel Hallberg last January when I was here, when I became appointed. And, you know, luckily I knew all the top people at the, at the Army Corps in Norfolk District. Uh, so it was, you know, they reached out to me this, I think the day I was announced, well, let's set up a meeting, let's get to going. So they really want to work together and, and it's improving. We're dramatically cutting down that time for that process. On the permit process itself for wetland permits, um, you know, they're not involved with us except we are tracking, you know, how everything happens and, and it's mm -hmm. available to them. But, you know, the problem is they're on a different database system mm -hmm. and, and than us. So that would take a, a federal level leader to want to get it integrated. I'd love mm -hmm. to see that uh, happen, you know, and, and I'd love for them to just join our system, but they have their own system. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? I think the success we're already seeing in mitigation banking I mean, if all goes well, we're going to cut, you know, Norfolk is averaging around 1,300 days roughly in Becca's report. Um, and our goal right now, A to Z, is 455 days. Personally, that's kind of long, but that includes all the, you know, the pre-app time, the, the time for the agents to get back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, I, the first time I did one, 1991 in Virginia, it took me three years to get approved. I had to get to the assistant secretary of the Army for civil works. He came personally to my site. The big mm -hmm. team and his counterpart from EPA headquarters, and I got it down eventually to six months. Okay, then the 2008 rule passed. It was trying to quote streamline things and set up a goal of a year. You know, well, all I can tell you is that once they put up regulations, it made it take longer. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there's got to be a, a refocusing on that, and I hope you know with the infrastructure bill and all these ideas to build things in the environment. They're not going to get built in any timely manner unless we get the permitting process more efficient and effective. Yep. And and it's going to be, you know, you're going to just see more and more and more delays because we don't have an efficient permitting process. So mm -hmm. it'd be cool to see 
someone at the federal level want to lead this and do it. Awesome. I agree. Well, Mike, uh, thank you so much for joining us. You have, what, three more years of your appointment? Okay, yep. let's let's make that the last time you retire. Uh, it's, <laughs> you've done so much work for the community. I think it's time for the next generation to take the baton and run with it. Uh, and you're, you're a pioneer, and we, we appreciate your time. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you.